I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. Thank you, Brother David. Good morning, church. Turn your Bibles, if you will, uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 22. And we will um, also think about the passage that David read for us from Hebrews chapter 11. I hope that you've had a good week. Um, it's, it's been a good week and a good start to the new year, especially with the way we were able to start the new year last Sunday. Uh, and uh, so I appreciate those who uh, were in attendance to all those things. We were able to enjoy a meal together uh, last Sunday evening and also on Wednesday evening. So I appreciate all those who helped with food and uh, those that were present and just uh, was a part of that. And then this week we have another opportunity. We anticipate coming up on uh, some other areas of service, but also Evangelism University. Uh, by the way, if you have opportunity, I want to encourage you again to be here at the building when we feed the meal to the Adult Teen Challenge guys. Uh, the way I understand it, they're going to share some stories about um, their opportunities to go back home for the holidays and really something that we forget about but from their standpoint, one of the first times in their life that they will enable to enjoy those holidays sober. And so those uh, stories and uh, messages that they have to share will be excellent and encouraging. Uh, so if you can be here and be a part of that, I want to encourage you to do so. Also, I hope that you are already anticipating next week. Again, don't forget, next Sunday morning we'll meet across the street for worship at 9 a.m., a little different than what we normally do. Uh, but you will will be blessed. Now, if you're not able to attend throughout the weekend, you will especially be blessed on that Sunday morning. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And I want to encourage you to be uh, praying for that. And as we begin this morning, I just want to uh, begin our week as we anticipate the many people that will be coming in our, into our community uh, this weekend. I just want to uh, us to start our uh, time together today and as we anticipate this weekend with a petitioning Almighty God. Let us pray. Holy Father, Almighty God, and as we will talk about today, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to come in your presence today as the body of Christ to worship you, the true and living God. Thank you. And Father, as we go throughout this service today, we pray that our worship to you will be pleasing in your sight and will be a sweet-smelling aroma from our praise, from our hearts and minds and our lips to you. Father, we also anticipate the work that will go into this weekend. Father, I pray for the many volunteers that will put time and effort into this weekend. Father, we thank you for that. I pray, Father, that we as the body of Christ here in Savannah will be the example uh, to all this weekend of the proper attitude, the proper example, 
the proper love and compassion that you extended to us and help us to extend that to others. We thank you for all the many groups that will be here this weekend. Father, we pray that you'll bless them with safety. Be with our speakers and our teachers and use them, Father, to touch the lives of these young people and adults that will be here. And Father, we anticipate and look forward to next Sunday when we will all be able to gather together to lift our voices and our hearts and our minds to you in song and in focus on worship to you. Father, bless us throughout this week and especially this next weekend, Father, that you will receive the glory in all the efforts that take place. Thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. When you were growing up, who was it that you counted on to provide for you? And now the answer to that question is likely, well, we counted on our parents, or maybe in your case it was a legal guardian. Nonetheless, we counted on them to provide for us. And maybe now you are in that role and you are a provider. And in a sense, the ultimate provider, God, provided for us through them, didn't He? But maybe, maybe it is that these things are difficult for you to see, are difficult for you to think about because your circumstances were not so good. Or maybe it is that you just expected that to happen. You just expected that your parents or uh, that legal guardian would provide for you. Well, in our text today in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to see how Abraham come to rely on the ultimate provider, come to learn the ultimate provider in a most dire and important time in his life. Well, if you flip back through your Old Testament uh, to Genesis chapter 12, we'll kind of see where the story of Abraham begins. Abraham comes into the world in chapter 11, and then in chapter 12, uh, Abraham is, he's called by God. At that time, his name was Abram. He was about 75 years old, you remember, and he was called by God to leave his kinsmen, his family, everything he had known. Now, I have an 18-year-old, and I know he's looking forward to going off being on his own because we talk about it. And I remember when I was that age and looking forward to that time, but Abraham was 75 years old. And God says, now I want you to leave everything. And not only that, I, you just go and I'll show you where to go. And in chapter 15, we'll see that God shares His promise and His covenant to Abraham of the promised son. In fact, in chapter 15 and verse 2, knowing that God had given this promise, Abraham asked God, What will you give me seeing I go childless? Look, you have given me no offspring. It's as if Abraham is asking God, How can you make a great nation out of me when I don't even have children? You've promised me this son and I don't even have children. So how can you make a great nation out of me? And God takes Abraham out and instructs him to go outside. He says, look up into the sky. See the stars. Abraham, I promise you, that's how many your descendants will be. And in chapter 15 and verse 6, the Bible says, And Abraham believed the Lord. God even tells Abraham, listen, uh, your descendants, your offspring, they're going to they're gonna come into uh, uh, in a foreign land 
for about 400 years. And for that 400 years, they will be afflicted. But in the fourth generation of your descendants, they will come back to the promised land. Isn't that interesting? God tells them it's going to happen, and guess what? It happened just the way God said it would. In chapter 16, we'll notice that Abraham and his wife Sarah, they become impatient waiting on God, waiting on His promise, and they mistakenly take things into their own hand. And out of that, Ishmael comes from Hagar. But they soon realized that this was the wrong thing to do. Sarah and Hagar, they, uh, they looked disfavorably on each other. And so Hagar, her maiden, had to leave later uh, in the story. And in Acts chapter, in Genesis chapter 17, Abraham is about 99 years old and God comes to him and he renews that promise. He renews that covenant between them. In fact, he gives him a sign of circumcision. Also in that chapter, we find that God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, meaning now you're going to be the father of many nations. Also, his wife, Sarai, he, ta- he changed her name from Sarah to Sarah, meaning now she would be the mother of many nations. And in chapter 18, God through three men comes to Abraham and He reminds him through those three men that Sarah will bear him a son. Not just any son, the promised son at the right time. Abraham and Sarah, they're old. They're old. And they say, you know what? This is a hard thing to believe. And one of the men say in chapter 18 and verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And through chapter, the rest of chapter 18 and chapter 19, uh, we find Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember his nephew Lot had gone down to, and his family down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God has come and visited Abraham. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pleads with God and he says, Will you destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah for 50 righteous people? And God says, No, I will not if you can find 50 righteous people. What about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? And we know how the story ends up that only Lot and his family were saved. And then chapter 21, Isaac is born. And then that brings us to the part of the story where we want to look at today. Genesis chapter 22. I want us to notice the first few verses of this chapter. And notice what the Bible records to us as we think about uh, also part of this story found in Hebrews chapter 11. And we see the faith of Abraham there in Hebrews chapter 11. But the writer of Genesis says in Genesis 22 and verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. And look, two of his young men with him, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. 
So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. Uh, and, he and, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So as we think about this morning connecting with God the provider, we notice here in the first part of Genesis chapter 22 that God the provider tested Abraham. He tested his faith. Now, we remember, you know the story, we've talked about it, that time and time again, Abraham and Sarah had been promised. The promise had been renewed. The promise had been reconfirmed. You will have a promised son. Now, after several years, God comes to Abraham uh, and, and He says, Listen, I, I want you to offer your promised son. Now, what kind of sense does that make? Why would God the provider... Test his servant like this. Well, the reality is in Genesis chapter 12, that's when the testing of Abraham began. When God calls him to leave Ur and everything he had known. But there's another possibility of why God has tested his servant, Abraham. It's found in the account of King Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I want you to notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in the New King James Version, God withdrew from him in order to test him. God is doing this to King Hezekiah. That he might know all that was in his heart. God likely wanted to see what was really in the heart of Abraham at this time. Did he really trust God above all? 
Uh, a few years ago, we had the theme of being all in. It's as if God is saying, are you all in, Abraham? Do you love and trust me? Are you loyal and committed to me even above your great love for the promised son, Isaac? What is truly in your heart, Abraham? And we see what he did. And so did God. But remember what James, the writer of James, says about the testing of our faith. James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This scripture reminds us, as well as the testing of Abraham, reminds us of the truth that, the, that our growth in faith involves testing. Do you like difficult times? I don't really like difficult times. Do you like it when your faith is tested? I don't really like it when my faith is tested. In fact, isn't it interesting that we live in a culture that trains us and conditions us that, hey, listen, you go to college... And you get you a degree and you, you go out and get a job and guess what? You can have this kind of house and you can drive this kind of car and you can wear these kind of clothes and you can have these kind of friends and guess what? Everything's going to be happy. And we end up pursuing those things and what do we realize? That's not, that doesn't bring us real happiness. And I'm sure if Abraham could have chosen a different way, he would have chosen not to have to be willing to go and lay his son on that altar and take his life. But Hebrews chapter 11 tells us he had faith in the provider. That whatever happened, he would, he would take care of it. He would provide. Someone has said it this way. Enduring tests or trials in important areas of life is not a pleasant experience. Amen? But it's necessary. In the faith walk, testing and trials are essential for growing spiritually and demonstrating the quality of one's commitment to God. In order to build strong physical muscles, a weightlifter must work against something that provides resistance. They're not going to get stronger if they don't have something that provides resistance. Similarly, the Lord tests us or allows Satan to tempt us in order to help us develop the spiritual muscles that are required to swim against the tide of iniquity that might otherwise sweep us down into the sea of destruction. 
You see, God doesn't want us to remain comfortable. God doesn't want us to remain where we are spiritually. God wants us to grow. And more and more and more, just like Abraham, He wants to know where, what's really in our heart. Do we really trust the provider? God is the creator of the world. He is the one who provides for us. Abraham said this twice in Genesis 22. First, in, in, speak, in verse 8, speaking to Isaac about his question about the sacrifice, you remember he says, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And also in verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, The mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Abraham, I can only imagine what he's thinking as he's taking his son to offer him. Isaac doesn't necessarily know it at the time, but Abraham knows it. And what does he say to his son? God will provide. It may not be like we want it, Isaac. And maybe in his mind he's saying, I wish I could tell you, Isaac. I wish I understood, but I don't. But here's what I want you to know. No matter what, no matter what God has asked, no matter what God expects, God will provide. I think of a few things, a few important things, and there's a number of things that we could list this morning that God provides for us, but I think about some of the most important things He provides for us. Luke chapter 19, we see God provided salvation. Luke 19, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad the provider, because of sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve, and that we deal with and have dealt with and struggle with, that God has provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm thankful the provider has provided us with salvation. I'm also thankful that the provider has provided us with love. That salvation comes out of love. John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm so thankful the provider has given us salvation. I'm so thankful the provider has given us love. And I'm so thankful the provider has given us hope. Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. I have hope in God, the provider, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This morning in our class, thinking about it, uh, uh, studying through Ecclesiastes, we talked about Solomon wanting us to view things with eternity in mind. We have hope from the provider. And then I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the provider this morning has provided us with the church. Amen? The church is important. We need each other. We need the church. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Jesus said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Aren't you glad? 
God tested the faith of Abraham. God the provider. And Abraham said, God will provide. But if we want to talk about connecting to the provider, how do we do that? How do we connect with the provider? I'm sure you may be thinking about some things right now, but I want us to look at what Abraham did. And I want us to learn from what Abraham did. Look at verse 1. Abraham had a relationship with the provider. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Here I am. This was also evident back in Genesis chapter 12. What did God do to Abraham, you remember? He came to him and he said... He spoke to Abraham. He spoke with him. And here in verse 1 of Genesis 22, when God calls, He says, Here I am. What does that represent? That represents a relationship. Abraham, hey, Abraham, here I am. How do we know that represents a relationship? On down in a few verses when the son Isaac asked the father... Uh, about the about the sacrifice, he calls out his name, my father. And Abraham says, "Here I am, my son." You see, Abraham had a relationship with the provider. This response is also different than what we read about back in Genesis chapter three. You remember when Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, they also had a relationship with God, the provider. But after they had sinned, do you remember what their response was? It wasn't, here I am. Look at it. Genesis 3 and verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. That relationship had been messed up at that time. And not that Abraham was always perfect. He made his mistakes. But he always relied on God the provider. Look at verse 5. Another way that Abraham showed us to connect to the provider. Verse 5 he says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and what? Worship. Worship. Now you may think, well, we've grown up in a, in a time, uh, for the most part, up until recent years, we've grown up in a time where, where people in our nation, they go, they gather together on Sunday to worship. Sometimes we call that they go to church, right? But the real idea is we come together to worship. We're not just going to church. We're not just going to sit on a pew. We gather together and guess what? It's not about preachers. It's not about the lesson and the time and effort that's gone into to prepare the lesson. It's about coming together to worship God. And that's how we connect to the provider. It's interesting that in the midst of being, able, being asked to do what seemed to be a difficult task, Abraham had the intention to worship God. Think about that. 
Abraham had been asked to offer up the promised son. And what was his intention? We're going to worship God the provider. It was important. It's so important that Jesus said, listen, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4 and verse 24. Worship is important because it's one way that we connect with the provider. John 9 and verse 31, the Bible says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. Amen. Abraham had a relationship with the provider. Abraham worshipped the provider. And here's probably one of the most important ones. Verse chapter 3, or verse 3, Verse 9 and 10, Abraham obeyed the provider. Abraham, here I am. I want you to take your promised son, the one we've been talking about for for years now, 25 years. I want you to take this promised son and I want you to go and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice, as a form of worship to me. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He just simply obeyed. He didn't say, but, but, but God, what about this? And God, I, I really feel this way. And I, God, I, I think it should be this way. And God, is there another way? I mean, this is my son. This is the promised son I've been waiting on. The one that I waited and anticipated so much that, that I, I was so excited and, and so anticipating that that Sarah and I, we just took matters in our own hands because we couldn't wait. And now you want me to offer him... So he rose early in the morning and he went. Abraham, I want you to leave everything you've ever known and I want you to go. Don't worry about where you're going, I'm going to show you. And he went. You see, we may read some things in Scripture and we say, you know what, but, but God, I, I just don't know about that. That just don't fit in my life. Abraham didn't say that. Abraham just obeyed. He was faithful. He was loyal. And even though God wanted him to complete this difficult task, he simply obeyed. Because his faith said, Hebrews chapter 11, even if he takes his life, he knew God could raise it. He knew God, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, would provide in all circumstances. For His glory. He showed the ultimate commitment to the provider, didn't He? See, the thing Abraham was concerned about, he was concerned about his faith, his loyalty, and his commitment to the provider. Despite the difficult circumstances, he said, I'm committed to the provider. How often do we see people today change or give up on their commitments? 
Have you heard somebody say, boy, I remember the time when, when you could take a person at their word. And now, my goodness, we have contracts that you've hold up. They would go forever, right? They might go the length of the Tennessee River with all the red tape involved. Because people have lost a lack of commitment. But not Abraham. Abraham said, this is a way that I connect to the provider. I'm committed to him. I'm loyal. I'm faithful. I'm going to obey. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Also in chapter 14 and verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He provided for Abraham, he'll provide for us. He tested Abraham and he, we may be tested today. But that testing was so that he would grow. So that he would know what's really in your heart. Are you really ready for this promise, Abraham? And he was. And he connected through that, to that provider through a relationship that he maintained, that he spoke with God. He had the intention to worship the provider, to connect in that way. And he had intention to obey, to be committed, to be faithful to be loyal to the provider. What about us today? We talk about God. Last week we talked about who is God, the Creator. It's important that we think about who God is. It's important that we think about God being the provider, Jehovah Jireh. But what are we doing to connect to the provider? Abraham saw the necessity to connect through a relationship, through worship, and through faithfulness and obedience. How about us? Where's our connection level today? If God came to us and He said, I need you to do this thing, in our minds it might seem impossible. What would you do? Well, I realize it's hard to really know. But what kind of decision would you hope to make? Would it be like Abraham? Maybe you're here tonight or today and you've not made that step of faith, commitment, that you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I believe that He's the Son of God. I want to give my life to Him. I'm not giving my life to Him because I'm perfect. I'm giving my life to Him because I'm, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus in my life. I need forgiveness. I need mercy and I need grace through Jesus Christ. Have you done that today? You see, when you do that, then you connect to God the provider. You can have a relationship with Him. You can worship Him. And you can go on your way being faithful, loyal, and obedient to Him. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're carrying some heavy burdens. Maybe you just simply need the prayers of the church. Maybe it is you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not connected to God. Yeah, I come and sit on a pew, but I'm not connected to God like I need to be. God is the provider. And I want to make sure that I receive His provisions. As together, we stand and sing.